the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. I've been, I uh, try to uh, use it at least once a year, uh, spend a few different messages uh, preaching on the family and the home. And I believe that's one of the most important things, uh, especially in our day and age when there seems to be so much confusion about what a home is, what a family is, uh, that we re-examine things from the Word of God and uh, we uh, look at the way God intended for it to be, Bible principles. I can tell you this, there's not one home uh, represented here in the room tonight uh, that uh, doesn't need the Lord's help, amen, and that could couldn't uh, be strengthened and couldn't be helped. And so um, I'm going to uh, bring you a few messages in the next several weeks uh, on the subject of the home, but we're going to do it a little bit different way. And instead of, uh, you know, sometimes I'll preach about uh, a husband, a wife, the children, those things, we're going to look at for the next several weeks uh, different couples of the Bible and uh, look at their lives and look how God worked through them and learn some principles from the home. And it's pretty appropriate if we're going to talk about uh, some couples of the Bible that we start with the first couple of the Bible. Bible, and uh, that would be Adam and Eve. And so we're going to look at a few principles from their life tonight. So if you find your place, stand with me together for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. And the Bible says, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her into the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through it, God. We need to hear from you. Lord, the folks didn't come to hear from me tonight, they come to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be active in our midst. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you'd work. And, and Lord, you'd teach us some things for, uh, through your Word. We love you and thank you for it. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I think it uh, goes without saying, you, you don't have to look very far or, or look very deep to understand that the home is under attack. Amen? And uh, Satan understands the importance of it. Uh, in fact, the home is the bedrock of a society. It's the first institution God ever divinely established. Uh, if you chase it through the Scripture, you'll find some institutions that, that God came up with. It was His idea. Not man's idea, but His idea. Amen? And the home is the first thing on the list. Later on, you see God established government. Later on, you see that God called His people, the nation of Israel, and established them as His people. And then in the New Testament, you see where God established the church. So there's a few institutions that God has come along and established and said, hey, this is, uh, I'm making this, I'm ordaining this, I'm instituting this, and if you, you want things to go right, you better do it my way. There's a novel concept, by the way, that we do things God's way. Amen? Let me tell you this, folks. We get ourselves in trouble when we try to do things our way. Amen? Listen, God left us an instruction manual. It's called the King James Holy Bible, and if we'll read it and we'll live by it, I promise you, you won't be a pro- you won't have a life that's problem free, but you'll have a life of a blessed life, a fulfilled life, and a life that at the end of it, you'll be thankful you live that way. Amen. Now let's look tonight at this first couple, Adam and Eve. The first thing I want you to notice about Adam and Eve, and we find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and that is their sanctuary. Their sanctuary. Notice what it says here. The Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. Now, uh, think about this for a minute, alright? Have you ever tried your hand at gardening before? Alright, a couple years ago, we tried it. We tried our hand at a church garden. Let's just say it didn't work very very well. Amen. I think part of it was because the soil uh, hasn't had a garden planted in it before. And I'm sure if we kept working it, we could get good at it. But could you imagine a garden planted by God? 
Now, it's not the kind of garden you and I are thinking of, all right? It's not a row of tomatoes, a row of green beans, some sweet corn, some, you know, peppers and that kind of stuff. No, this, amen, I got an amen. Finally, somebody said amen. Start talking about food. All you Baptists start saying amen, all right? But, um, and hallelujah, there you go, amen. All you got to do is start talking about food and you'll get a response. So, there you go. That's how you know you're in a Baptist church, all right? But uh, uh, imagine this place God created. This wasn't just a, a garden of food. This was a garden of paradise. By the way, this is before the sin curse came along. And I believe one of these days, God will restore the earth back to the form it was in Eden. And I believe we'll experience that as Christians, what it's going to be like one of these days. But imagine, literally, paradise on earth. I've uh, seen a few pictures of what people consider paradise. And, and I personally have never been to a tropical paradise. It's on my bucket list. I'm hoping to go one of these days, but I haven't been there yet. But imagine a, a place of, of perfection. I mean, listen, folks, when God made this thing, it was, it was literally a piece of heaven on earth. And you know what? He allowed, He gifted that place uh, for Adam to live in. Now, this was before Eve came along. Eventually, she did come along. But God gifted them this sanctuary known as the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to tell you what I believe this relates to us today. I believe that uh, God has given us as adults, as mothers, as fathers, as pastors, as spiritual leaders, I believe God has given us uh, the responsibility to create a haven of safety for those in our care. I believe uh, for the pastor, for it's my job to make sure, it's my responsibility to ensure that the church is a safe place, is a place where people can come. And you know what? They, it can be a sanctuary from the world out there. Amen? And by the way, we need that place as Christians. Now listen, you when we when you work out in the world, listen folks, I'm not I'm not I'm not down in folks that aren't aren't saved. Listen, they just they just need the Lord. Amen. By the way, guess what? Before we got saved, we were in the same boat. Right? We needed God. Folks just need the Lord. But let me tell you as a Christian, you know how it is when you're in this world, it weighs on you, does it not? I mean, listen, I get sick and tired of hearing my God's name taken in vain. I get sick and tired of, of all the, you know, everybody thinks unless it's perverse, it's not funny. And all the garbage that goes on. Listen, isn't it nice to come to a place on Sunday where it's just a breath of fresh air? Where we can be around God's people, sing God's praises. Hey, see some folks get baptized, see some folks get saved, and just be around God's people. Amen? Listen, that's a sanctuary. That's what it ought to be. Amen? The church ought to be a sanctuary. Let me say this. That's why it's important. Come on, moms and dads. You need to get your children and keep your children and raise your children in the church house. Amen? Listen, there's nothing better. That's why on Sunday morning, I say it over and over, but on Sunday morning, we before Sunday school, we sing those silly songs, right? You know, we, we sing about this morning, deep and wide and all the motions. and We sing about 12 men went to spy on Canaan. And all those, why do we do that? I'll tell you why we do it. We do it for the kids' sake. Amen? Because I want those kids growing up just like I see them do every Sunday morning. Little kids who can, you know, uh, haven't come to a saving knowledge of Christ yet. But you know what? B-I-B-L-E Bible! I mean, they're holding up the Bible, they're singing, they're doing the motions, amen? Listen, that's the way it ought to be. And I understand that's not the way it always is. By the way, you can't control how you were raised. Maybe your parents didn't raise you in church. And listen, that, that's, that's not a necessarily, uh, we're not dredging up the past on things. But all that to say, listen to me, you that have children can make sure your children are raised in the sanctuary of the church house. Amen? So, so important. And that's why the devil works to attack it. And so the church ought to be a sanctuary. Just like that garden was a sanctuary for Adam and Eve, the church ought to be a sanctuary. By the way, not just a church, our homes ought to be a sanctuary. Amen? Our places ought to be a home of safety. It ought to be a place where, you know what, it's just like in the Garden of Eden before sin came along, it was a place of peace. 
Amen? It was a place of, of rest. It was a place where they could enjoy. And let me tell you, that's why the devil works hard at busting up homes. He does not want your home to be a sanctuary. You know what he wants your home to be? A war zone. That's what he wants your home to be. And that's why, because, you know, we, we get so caught up sometimes in the flesh, and instead of our home being a sanctuary for our children, it's a war zone for our children. That should not be. Listen, again, the world's going to do what the world does, but it shouldn't be said of God's people. Amen? When God provides us with a good Christian home, and God provides us with the, with, with the church, and God provides these young people with, with spiritual authority that help guide them, it's an umbrella of safety. And by the way, you know what? The same thing will happen to us, will happen to Adam and Eve. Guess what? You take your play, you take yourself out from under the umbrella of God's safety, there's a, some bad things waiting. Amen? By the way, God doesn't make you stay around. Right? Listen, folks, it's a volunteer basis. Okay? No one made you be here tonight. You had to choose it. Amen? You must exercise your free will and choose what you're going to do. But I'm going to say this. You exercise your free will and you walk yourself outside of the sanctuary of the church, well, go ahead and walk yourself out from underneath the umbrella of God's protection. Amen? And let me tell you something. It's amazing to me. And when that happens and people start walking that slippery slope and they walk outside of the sanctuary, then oftentimes the church gets blamed. Oh, it's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's God's fault. Hey, you know what? No, it's your fault. Because you exercised your free will and you took yourself outside of the umbrella of God's protection. And eventually, you know what? That's what Adam and Eve did. They removed themselves from the place of safety. God designed that beautiful garden for them and its purpose was to be their sanctuary. So let me just encourage you. Make the church house a sanctuary. Hey, make your home a sanctuary. Number two, we notice this. We notice their sacred marriage. Their sacred marriage. Notice what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, part of our... Uh, uh, in our passage tonight. Notice what he said in the Lord. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Do I got any amens from the men there? Amen. That's right. Hey, I echo that one. All right. It's not good that man should be alone. Let me tell you, uh, listen, it's not usually good at my house when I'm alone. Just saying. All right. I can promise you this. It doesn't smell as good. It doesn't look as good. It definitely doesn't taste as good. Amen. All right. And uh, man, it is good that man should not be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, there was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. For Adam there was not found and help me for him. Hey, you know what? Adam, God figured it out. Or God didn't figure it out. God knew all along. But God wanted Adam to come to the realization that, you know what, Adam? You're, 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 you're better off with a help me. You're better off with a partner. You're better off with someone coming alongside and helping you. And thus we have the institution of the home. The divine institution of marriage. By the way, let me just stop and say it. I'm going to say it until, until I run out of air, breath in my lungs. Amen? Listen to me. God's the one that instituted marriage. God's the one that defined marriage. Man has no business trying to change it. Amen? By the way, man can say what they want. They can pass whatever stupid law they want to pass. It doesn't change what God thinks marriage is. Amen? By the way, what is marriage? One man, one woman for life till death do impart. That's marriage. Anything else is a perversion of what God intended. And let me tell you, we need the pulpits echoing that nowadays. We need some preachers to grow a spine and say things like homosexuality is a sin. We need preachers saying it. Amen? And guess what? You're in that kind of church where this preacher says it. Amen? You need preachers that say, hey, living together before marriage is sin. 
Amen? We need preachers saying it. We need preachers to say anything outside God's plan of one man, one woman for life till death do his part is sin. Right? Come on now. Listen to me, folks. The church ought to be the moral conscience of the community. Right? And listen, the preachers are too afraid to say it. How are people going to be convicted of sin and turn to Christ? Listen, sacred marriage. Marriage is sacred. Marriage is sacred. And we see here that God provided Adam and Eve for this marriage. And, and uh, of course, God's the one that uh, made Eve out of Adam's rib, and she came out of man, and then she brought him to the man. But let me tell you what we notice about this, uh, this relationship of marriage. Notice the foundation. You know what the foundation of this marriage was? It was where it ought to be, God. Amen? God was the foundation for their home. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Remember the story or the, or the song we sing out of Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus told the parable about the wise man and the foolish man? We sing it on Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And you know what happened? When, uh, when the storm came, when the rain fell and the winds blew, hey, the house that wasn't found in the right foundation, it went what, kids? Splat. By the way, it's not just some cute Sunday school song. That's a principle we all need to be living by. I want to illustrate this to you, all right? I'm going to have the, new, the, the newest married couple come to the platform. All right, that would be uh, Caleb and Faith. Come on up here, amen. I didn't ask him, by the way. I just, uh, this is them finding out, okay? All right. Okay, so I want to illustrate to you what it is as far as having the right foundation for marriage, okay? All right. I want you, you, you to take Faith, your right hand, and Caleb, take your uh, left hand, I guess. There you go. There you Put them together just like that, okay? And this represents what marriage is, all right? Let's say that your, your pinky finger represents the fin- financial aspect of your marriage, okay? Let's say your ring finger represents the emotional strength, uh, then the spiritual strength, the next finger, the next finger, the, the physical strength, and then maybe your thumb, the social strength of your marriage, and you know what? When a couple gets married, man, they, they are in love. They are glued together. Amen. You know, they are Twitter pated. You can't separate them. <clears throat> and, um, you know, but then guess what happens? It's called reality. Right? And what you find out before too long, you find out that uh, marriage isn't just what maybe you thought it was before you got married. All of a sudden you start having little problems. Maybe you have some financial problems. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe this, this part here isn't exactly what it ought to be. And maybe there's some emotional problems, okay? And then maybe there's uh, some physical problems, and, and then there's some social problems and, and, uh, and, and other problems. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not exactly what they, they intended for it to be or wanted it to be, but guess what? Guess what's still together, right? The palms are still together, representing the foundation. And these things right here, May not always be exactly what you think they ought to be, but if you got the foundation right, you're going to be okay. Amen? By the way, these things right here just kind of ebb and flow. I mean, you know, thing, finances kind of come and go, don't they? All right? They just sometimes are there, sometimes they're not there. It's just, it's just what it is. Sometimes, hey, you don't always feel like being the wife you ought to be. You don't always feel like being the husband you ought to be, right? I mean, feelings come and go. I mean, sometimes, especially when kids come in the picture, man, uh, there's physical changes. There's all kind of changes. And, and sometimes yeah, they'll, they'll be like this. Hopefully, most of the time, they'll be like this. But whether they're like this, like this, guess what? They're still together because the foundation's right. Amen? Thank you. You can be seated. And let me tell you something, folks. Listen, each marriage is tested. I promise you it's true. 
Each marriage is going to be tested. And unless it's founded on Christ, it's going to fall apart. And that's why it's wrong to try to find a relationship on anything except the proper foundation. Right? This building we're sitting in tonight, uh, this building uh, uh, was probably built back in the 60s, I think. All right? Somewhere in there, 50s or 60s. And you know why it's still standing some 70 years later? Because it's got a good foundation. That's why. Right? The reason we're here tonight and the building's usable tonight because you know what? The foundation's been right. Amen? This building's been a lot of different things. It's gone through a lot of different interior changes and some exterior changes. But hey, it stood because it's on a solid foundation. And listen, if you want your marriage to last, if you want your marriage to make it through the storms and the winds of, of time, then you better be found on the right foundation. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And the principles of His Word. So first of all, we see the sanctuary there, Adam and Eve's sanctuary. Then we see their sacred marriage. And then, you know what we see? We see their satanic attack. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Notice what we see here, verse 1. Don't you wish those three words weren't even in the Bible? Now the serpent. Man, wouldn't it be nice if that was never even a part of the equation? But it was. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden of Eden, or tree of the garden. You know what you find here, folks? Think about this. Even though Adam and Eve had a sanctuary, and even though they had a sacred marriage founded on God, they were not exempt from the attacks of the devil. Amen? And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're a Christian, you got an enemy. Okay, and, and, and we fight different enemies on different fronts, but I'm going to tell you, sometime in your life, the devil's going to come to your family, he's going to come to your marriage, just like what he did to Adam and Eve. And if you're not careful, if you're not prepared, you're going to do what they did. You're going to make a mistake, and you're going to fall just as they fell. Think about this for a minute. Eve had absolutely no reason to doubt what God had said. Isn't that interesting? The first thing Satan did when he came to uh, tempt Eve was question God's Word. Yea, hath God said? By the way, He hasn't changed His tactics uh, some 6,000 years later. He's still attacking the Word of God. Yea, hath God said. Is that really what God meant? And He began to plant doubt in Eve's mind. And by the way, once the seed of doubt was planted, you know what, then He took it the next step. By the way, you see Eve trying to you know, make a deal or try to reason things out with the serpent. Now let me tell you what Eve should have done. Amen? When Satan came and said, Yea, hath God said, Adam, come here! We got a problem! And you know what? Instead of doing that, she tried to humanly reason it out. And because of that, she fell for the outright lie of the devil. Verse 4, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, and your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. By the way, that was a partial truth. Their eyes were going to be opened. They were going to know good and evil, but they surely died. Amen? What a lie of the devil. May we see uh, in the book of Job, the devil walking through and to, to and fro to the earth, looking to, to whom he could tempt and who he could try. And folks, I'm going to tell you, we're not exempt from this either in, in our day and age we're living in. Saint has not ceased to attack the children of God. And let me say this, every day the devil's going to try to be on your doorstep, tap you on the shoulder, get you to do exactly what he did to Eve, amen, and flat out disobey the Word of God. And you know what? Even for a time, you can make the devil flee. And thank goodness for that. The Bible tells us, James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he may leave you for a little bit, but oh, smutty face is coming back. And you just better understand something. Life is a battle. Amen? The Christian life is a battle. Hey, God has called us to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to tell you, whatever avenue Satan may be using to attack you, your marriage, your family, just keep in mind this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. None of these things move me, neither can I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, hey, when the devil comes and he tries to get you off attack and he tries to satanically attack your home and he tries to satanically attack your sanctuary and he tries to attack your marriage, just remember something. The most important thing is that we finish our course with joy. Amen? By the way, you don't have to give in to Satan's attacks. You can stand. And we, we spent a whole year preaching about it out of Ephesians chapter 6 and having done all to stand. What an important thing that is. And then last of all, I want you to notice this in verse 6. What a sad thing we've even got to talk about. We've talked about their sanctuary. We've talked about their, 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 their marriage, we've, their sacred marriage. We've talked about their satanic attack. Now, unfortunately, we've got to talk about their sin. Look what it says in verse 6, Genesis chapter 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, man, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Listen to me, folks. They had no idea the repercussions of that, that one choice right there. It seems such, such a small thing. Just eat a piece of fruit. It's not going to hurt you. It looks good. It tastes good. It's going to make you feel good. They had no idea the ripple effect that one choice would have. Amen? By the way, what was the result of their sin? The Bible tells us, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. And you know why you've never had to teach your kids how to be bad? You know why no one automatically uh, has to figure out how to be bad? Because of that one choice when Adam and Eve ate that fruit. Amen? Sin entered into the world. And by the way, just not sin. The Bible says, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And by the way, I said it this morning, I'm going to say it again. That's why the human race doesn't have to do one thing to go to hell. You know, in our minds, here's what Satan wants us to think. Well, if I do a bunch of bad stuff, then I'll have to go to hell. Wrong. By the way, even if you do a bunch of good stuff, that ain't going to keep you out of hell. You realize mankind is born on the road to hell because of sin. And if you want to go to heaven, folks, you got to detour off that road. And there's only one way to detour that, amen? And that is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Listen, joining this church, as much as I want folks to join the church, ain't going to keep you out of hell. Hey, baptism. We had baptism tonight. By the way, it's the first step of obedience. But just being dunked under water isn't going to keep you out of hell. There's only one thing that keeps a person out of hell, and that is you when there's a time in your life when you realize that you're a sinner, you realize you can't save yourself, you realize Jesus came and died on the cross for your sin and shed His blood to redeem us from our sin. Amen? And you by faith, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you call out to Him, and you ask Him to forgive you, and you ask Him to save you, that's called salvation. Amen? That's called being born again. That's the only way to escape hell is through Jesus Christ. It's not about working a good life. It's not about doing this, doing that. It's about faith and trust in Christ and Him alone. Amen? And all that became because of Adam and Eve's sin. Now, we read Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the verse how that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But a lot of times, you know what? There's verses after that. How about this? Romans 5, 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That was Adam. Amen? Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 
And that is through Christ alone. Amen? Now, uh, I'm going to scare you by saying this, alright? That was the introduction. You ready for the message tonight? Alright? Now, you know me, alright? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to keep you here very long. All that, let me give you the practical application of the message. Why did I preach this to you tonight about the first couple? Why, why did I bring these truths to you? Let me give you some things you can take home with you. Let me give you some things you can live. Amen? Because listen to me, folks. It's not about just filling your heads with knowledge. It's about getting wisdom in your heart. Listen, and putting to practice the things the Bible says. Lessons from the first couple. Number one, fight to keep the sanctuaries in your life. Fight to keep those sanctuaries. Amen? Listen, you got to fight to keep the sanctuary of your home. The devil wants to destroy it. He wants to get in there and he wants to attack. Listen, he wants to drive a wedge, mom and dad, between you. Okay? He wants the mom against the dad, the dad against the mom. He wants to turn the heart of your children against you. Hey, he even wants to turn sometimes the heart of the parents against the children. Amen? And he doesn't want your home to be a sanctuary. He wants it to be a war zone. He doesn't want to be a place where, as the Bible says, children are, are brought up in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. Amen? You gotta fight to protect that. You gotta fight your flesh to protect that. You gotta fight the world to protect that. You definitely gotta fight the devil to protect that. Hey, fight to keep the sanctuaries in your life. The sanctuary of your home. The sanctuary of your church. Fight to keep it. I'm gonna tell you, the, the closer you get to God, the more Satan doesn't want you in a good Bible preaching church. Amen? And you know why? Because he understands something. When you as a Christian uh, put yourself under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, he knows what's gonna happen. You're gonna grow in your Christian life. You're going to learn how to defeat Him. You're going to learn how to stand against the wiles of the devil. And He doesn't want that. So you know what He's going to try to do? He's going to try to keep you out of a good Bible preaching church. He's going to fill your mind with excuses why you can't be here. He's going to get you to try to put other things before the house of God. He's going to try to get you to start maybe coming to church physically, but mentally checking out a church. And folks, listen to me. You've got to fight to protect that sanctuary. Amen? Number two, fight to keep your marriage sacred. That word sacred, we talked about it, means holy, right, pleasing to God. Listen, everything in this world is bent toward destroying your marriage. Right? The entertainment is bent on trying to destroy your marriage. The music is bent on trying to destroy your marriage. Hey, you know what? The devil will take what he can get. If he can't get to bust your marriage up with a divorce, he'll get you to just exist through your marriage and tolerate each other and not be have that close relationship that God wants you to be so you can raise your children right and set the example for them. He'll take what he can get. He's not picky as long as he can keep you from being what God wants you to be. Amen. Listen, you've got to fight to keep your marriage sacred. Come on, husbands and wives. We've got to fight for that. Amen. Listen, it's easy to become distant. It's easy to let, you know, an attitude or, or the annoying habits of your partner. <clears throat> all right. And, uh, whom I annoy my wife all the time with my annoying habits. All right. Just like I did today. I came in from church. Uh, we were having bacon cheeseburgers for lunch. I picked up a piece of bacon. It broke, fell on the floor and scattered everywhere. All right. I mean, I'm sure that was annoying. My works, my wife works hard to keep the house clean. And here I just spilt bacon all over the floor, you know? And you know, do you think I went to the closet and got a broom to sweep it up? Ain't no way. Amen. All right. I got a good woman. She's like, I'll take care of that for you. I said, thanks, babe. And I went and sat down. All right. Listen, I'm sure, I'm sure my annoying habits want to try to drive a wedge between me and my wife. But listen, you got to fight for that stuff. Amen. You got to realize something. When you married your, your wife, you married your husband. Guess what you married? You married a sinner. By the way, you know what sinners do? Sin. Alright, and I get it. I'm not making excuses. And I, here's what I always say. As we grow in our Christian life, we ought to be, you won't be sinless, but you ought to be sinning less. Right? You ought to be growing. You ought to be learning. 
But you're still going to sin because of the old stinking flesh you got to deal with. By the way, why do you think God tells us to love one another and forgive one another? Not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Amen? Listen, you got to fight to keep your marriage sacred. Number three, you got to fight when you're under satanic attack. Listen, let me tell you what most Christians want to do. When, when the devil turns the heat up on them a little bit, they want to fold like a lawn chair. They want to go find their safe space. They want to suck their spiritual thumb and lay in a corner somewhere. That's what He wants you to do, by the way. Right? What does God want you to do? Well, how about this? Alright? What is the best defense? You know what the best defense is? Is a good offense. Right? Hey, when the devil brings it to you, how about this? You bring it to him. Are we not warriors? Is that not what we're supposed to be? What happens when a warrior gets engaged by the enemy? Does he lay down and cower in fear? No, you know what a warrior does? He fights back. Amen? He goes on the offense. So how about that? When the devil comes after you, go after him. Amen? He wants to attack your, your life and your sanctuary. You attack his kingdom. Isn't that not what God's called for us to do? Listen, when the devil takes a swipe, but you take a swipe right back at him. God gives you a way to do it. Amen? It's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen to me, church. Your home's worth fighting for. Your kids are worth fighting for. Hey, your church is worth fighting for. All souls are worth fighting for. So listen, fight when you're under satanic attack. Quit laying down. Quit folding like a lawn chair. Fight back. You can't do it in and of yourself. We don't have the power of the devil, but through God's power, we can fight back. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about standing in the power of His might. Amen. I'm no match against the devil. There's no way I'd face the devil on my own. He'd whip me in a heartbeat. Amen? But listen, if I put on the, the spirit, the, 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 uh, the, the armor that the God gives me, the, the armor of light, as the book of Colossians, I believe, calls it, and I put on the armor of light, and I pick up my offensive weapon of the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and all the armor of God I'm supposed to be putting on, and with God's help, guess what? Saint's no match for God. He's, he's no, he is definitely a match for me, but he's no match for God. By the way, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. So listen, fight when you're under satanic attack. Amen? And then last of all, let me say this. Fight sin when, you're, when, you, when you fall. Fight sin when you fall. The first way to fight sin is by getting it washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And again, we're born as fallen creatures. We're born as fallen man. We're all sinners, amen? We're born that way. And let me say this, the first way you fight sin is by getting saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins." Amen. God has made a way for our sins uh, to be forgiven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, wouldn't it be nice once you got saved if you never had to worry about sinning again? Wouldn't that be nice? And that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? But guess what? That's not the way it is. Amen. The Christian life is a constant battle against falling into sin. Amen. And by the way, you're going to mess up from time to time. You're not going to always get it right. Okay? Listen, just because you're saved doesn't mean you're still not going to have an opportunity to fall. I mean, we could read many instances about that in the Scripture. We could uh, talk about some of the greatest Christians in the Bible, and God chose to show us the side of them that still uh, fell and still got away from the Lord. But aren't you glad there's verses like this in Proverbs twenty four sixteen? For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Hey, you know what your mentality ought to be when you fall? God, I'm sorry I fell, Lord. I, I, I sinned, Lord. I did wrong. Now, God, would you please help me as I raise up and get back in the battle? Amen? 
The just man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And let me tell you what the devil wants to do. He does it every time. When you fall, he kicks you when you're down. He wants to stomp your head in the ground. He wants you, maybe, he wants you to think that, oh, God hates me. Uh, God will never want to use me again. Listen, as long as you're still breathing, God's not done with you. So listen, if you fall, if you mess up, learn from it. Yeah, you may have to pay a price for it. Because sin has consequence. Amen? But listen, dust yourself back up. Uh, uh, quote this verse to the old devil, and he wants to bring that to you. Amen? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, I quote that verse often. Amen? Because I need that verse often. Right? Listen, you know what God wants? God wants confession. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Amen? Listen, just confess them to God. By the way, you don't need a human priest to go through. You've got the great heavenly high priest. Amen? The one that's passed into the heavenlies. The ones that sit right now at the right hand of the Father making mediation to you, to the very throne of God Himself. Amen. And that's our mediator, Jesus Christ. That's the only priest you need. Amen? You don't need to go through me to get to God. Now I'll help you. I can give you direction, but you don't need to pray through the preacher to get to God. By the way, you got as much direct access to the throne of God that I have. Amen? And listen, you go directly to God. You spend time with the Lord. And you know what? Confess your sin to Him. Amen? There ought to be that part of our daily walk with God where we spend time uh, confessing and getting right and cleaning up and being right. So listen to me, church. What are we going to learn tonight from the first couple? Well, what, what can they teach us about our, about our marriages? Well, we're going to teach you. Uh, they taught us to fight to keep our sanctuaries. Amen. The sanctuary of the church, the sanctuary of the home. We've learned to fight to keep our marriage sacred. We've learned to fight when we're under satanic attack. And we've learned to fight sin when we fall. Now, I'm looking forward to the day where, guess what? We don't have to fight anymore. I'm looking forward to that. There's coming a day if we can, guess what? We can lay the armor down. But it ain't yet. Battle's not over. If anything, folks, come on, now we're in the heat of the battle. If anything, now's the time to fight like we've never fought before. Amen? And so let's learn these lessons from the first couple and let's apply them to our lives. Let's pray.